Are you out there doing your best to get on with life? Because, as you already know, it's what you make of your life that really counts. And sometimes having a few shortcuts to help you on your way can be very useful. The NLP Matters podcast might just be the toolbox you need to focus your attention, your effort, your drive onto what really does make the difference. Built on the foundation of neuro-linguistic programming, the NLP Matters podcast offers proven recipes you can use to create and sustain your life your way. G'day, and welcome to the NLP Matters podcast. I'm your host, Joe Clark. Since episode 16, we've been exploring the NLP technique called the keys to an achievable outcome. And I trust that throughout these episodes, you're getting a really clear insight into the power of these keys when it comes to designing and delivering on your goals. Last week, we focused on the ninth and final key, asking, is this goal ecological? In this episode, we're going to draw together all nine keys as we wrap it up and really get to see the power we have when using this great NLP tool. I've really enjoyed putting together these episodes where I focused on the keys to an achievable outcome because these keys are framed within another NLP tool for goal setting, the five principles of success, which we covered in podcasts 10 to 15. In particular, the nine keys guide us as we develop a rich and deep understanding of the first of the principles of success, knowing your outcome. When we model from those who've already achieved success, people who have what we want, the starting point is always built from knowing your outcome. The keys to an achievable outcome dive deeply into our desired outcome so we can have great clarity and do a robust check. Is this goal really what I want? If we choose a goal that is vague, we can easily get distracted or end up off track without even noticing, because we haven't started with a level of clarity for the outcome that means we can tell when we're on or off track. As a coach, I know some clients set up goals that are too abstract. They're perhaps big and ambitious, yet they're also vague. They may have a goal to be more successful or to be more healthy, but what exactly does that mean? Other clients set up goals that are too specific or rigid, Something like, we'll run every single day for 30 minutes. For what purpose are they doing that? These are some of the traps that set us up for failing. The keys to an achievable outcome provides a recipe we can follow that develops a very clear definition of the outcome we're going for. And then we get to confirm that the goal is formulated thoroughly, looking at it from all different angles or perspectives. Remember that we can have a goal that we really feel as though we want, but at a deeper level, outside of our conscious awareness, there may be some objections or obstacles to successfully achieving that goal. When there's this misalignment between what we're consciously aware of and want and the things that operate at a level below consciousness, such as beliefs, values, even our perception of our own identity, Inevitably, we will find it much harder to achieve our desired outcome. 
When we look at our goal from all different angles and perspectives, we have multiple opportunities to notice. Is my commitment to this goal aligned both internally and externally, both consciously and unconsciously? Again, in my experience as a coach, I've seen clients berating themselves because they've failed to deliver on a goal, some even giving up on having goals at all because they have built the belief, I always fail. For me, this is a bit like taking your car to the wreckers because a blinker isn't working. It's not the car that is the problem. It's either the light bulb in the blinker, or perhaps a fuse is blown, or maybe there's even an, an electrical fault. The point is, just because the end result, the blinker, isn't doing what you expect, does not mean you want to trash the whole car. Setting a goal is not just about seeing something, deciding you want it, and working hard for it, although all of those things are important. It's also about doing the analysis and reflection up front. What does this goal really give me? What will it cost me? Precisely, what is the goal? If I don't get everything in it, does that mean I failed or should give up? What if I don't do it in the time frame? Does that mean I failed and should give up? What if I do it faster than expected? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or perhaps it doesn't even matter. All these questions get considered when we follow the recipe outlined through the keys to an achievable outcome. And the more specific we get about our goal, the more we maximize the opportunity for our success. Because we then design our goals to align both our conscious and unconscious minds. Remember, our unconscious mind has to be convinced to get on board with our goal, and the unconscious plays a huge part in our success. So it pays to know as much as we can about how it operates and how it can support us, or perhaps sabotage us, in pursuit of our goals. Using the keys to an achievable outcome is where the rubber really hits the road as far as our goals are concerned. They unlock the path for us to transform our vision into reality. So let's just have a quick recap on what the keys to an achievable outcome are. The first key is to have our goal stated in the positive. We ask ourselves, what specifically do I want? It is important to notice this question is not asking about what you don't want. We know we have followed this key because when we write down our goals, words that do not appear are words like not, won't, can't, no, none. Even comparative words like more, less than, bigger, smaller, or words that end in ER like fitter, healthier, they're often comparing the current situation with the future or a past situation. So when these words are excluded from our goals, then we can confirm, yes, I have stated my goal in the positive. The second key is to specify the present situation. We ask ourselves, where am I now? To answer this question, we want to be really present to our current state in contrast to what we will have and how we will be in the future. This means we are living within the present state, seeing it through our own eyes. As I look down, I can see my body. I can feel the feelings both external like temperature, texture, touch, although probably a lot less of that with social distancing at the moment. 
But this experience, the way we're having the present experience, is called in NLP associated. We're fully associated into the experience. The third key is to specify the outcome in detail. We ask ourselves, what will I see, hear, feel when I have it? This key brings our focus onto the sensory-specific experiences we will have when we deliver successfully on our goal. If you haven't already, now is the time when we get the most value if the goal is written down, or perhaps it might be represented in a vision board. When we write our goal, we also want to write it in present tense, as if it is now. So rather than writing on the 31st of December 2020, I will be sitting in my new lounge room and I will think about how much work I'm planning to do to ensure the house is finished then, we would write, it is the 31st of December 2020 and I am sitting in my new lounge room reflecting on all the work I have completed to ensure the house was already finished. So writing it in present tense. Writing our goals in this way makes them very immediate and real. Once we have defined our goal in this way, we can contrast it starkly against the present situation that the second key focused on. Now, when we think about our goal, we can construct it as a picture of ourselves in the future. As we achieve the goal, we can see ourselves in the picture, like a photograph or a movie. In NLP, this is called dissociated. This is an important distinction to notice here. When we're looking at our current state, we are associated. When we're thinking of achieving our goal, we're dissociated. The second key really honed our focus onto our present state, whilst the third key emphasises our desired outcome. The stark contrast between the two really draws our attention to the gap between our positive goal and our current situation. This drives home really powerfully that we still have some work to do before we get to the finish line. The fourth key is to specify some evidence procedure. We ask ourselves, how will I know when I have it? This is a really critical question to answer. I know lots of people who never get to celebrate their successes because they don't know what it looks like when they've achieved their goal. You might have set yourself a goal to lose weight or get really fit, but because you haven't specified how you know when this has happened, you either just keep going and going or you give up because there's no end in sight. The fifth key is to check if the goal is congruently desirable. We ask ourselves, what will this outcome get for me or allow me to do? Let's say you buy into a business and you develop a goal that will have you working long hours most days of the year. And it might be a business that really excites you and motivates you. But you and your partner have a belief that you share the responsibility for raising your three young children and the household work. So now you have a conflict between your goal and your beliefs that has to be resolved before we can really say your goal is congruently desirable. The sixth key is to ensure that the goal is self-initiated and maintained. Here we ask ourselves, is it only for me? Is this goal really only for me? It's surprising how many people take on goals that are not really their own. I see this with couples and business partners, where one person sets a goal 
and the other one just agrees to it because they think they should. Now, it's totally possible for two people to have a shared goal, but when it originates from one person, we really want to check and be clear that this is a goal that we do share and that we do really want. And sometimes people make goals when the outcome isn't actually in their control. For example, I've worked with parents who've had goals for their children, like I want my kids to be happy. The problem with this goal is that in the end, it's not up to us whether our kids are happy or not. We could be the greatest parents in the world, and sometimes our kids are not going to be happy. And whether they are or not, it's up to them, not us. Now sure, there's lots of things we can do that will increase the likelihood that our kids are happy a lot of the time, especially when they're young, but emotions are tricky things. They come and go. And it's okay for kids to have emotions that don't involve being happy or joyous all the time. In fact, as a parent, you want to make sure your kids do experience all different emotions, not just a narrow range that all occur down the happy end of the spectrum. The seventh key is to see if your goal is appropriately contextualized. This means deciding where, when, how, and with whom I want it. These questions are designed to get really specific about the context or the situation surrounding our goal. The tricky part of specifying these answers is that they sometimes lead us into the realm of wishing, wanting, and hoping rather than a goal that's self-initiated and self-maintained. For example, you may have a goal to finish your marathon run and have your nearest and dearest right there at the finish line to cheer you across the line. But what if they can't come? Does that mean you failed your goal? From my perspective, not at all. Although I have worked with clients who have believed that they did fail because the person they wanted to be there at the end wasn't there. We also want to ensure that the context overall is appropriate for the goal. Contexts do change, as we've all experienced recently throughout the pandemic. Some goals may no longer be appropriately contextualised in the current conditions. Goals such as overseas travel for a week away are certainly not going to work when there's a 14-day lockdown on return home. The eighth key is to ask ourselves, what resources are needed? What do I have now? And what do I need to get my outcome? And if there's a gap between those two answers, we need to get clear on how to go about closing the gap. We can ask ourselves, have I ever had or done this or something like this before? Do I know anyone who has? Can I act as if I have it already? Identifying the resources needed to deliver on our outcome is critically important because without this knowledge, we may not be able to establish the support structure we need in order to achieve our goal. It's important to remember that even though it is our goal in that it's self-initiated and self-maintained, step six, no goal or outcome is achieved totally on its own. It's equally important to recognize that at the outset, We may not know all the resources or skills or capabilities we need to achieve our goal. So this key doesn't give us a stop at go option where we refuse to take action until we have 100% certainty about everything before we even begin. 
The real value we get from applying this key is to reflect on whether in fact we may already have done this or something very similar before, and recognising that could mean that we can then apply things we learned from the past or any insights we might have got from that previous experience to our present goal, potentially saving us some time and effort on the way. Also, asking if we know someone else who's done the same or similar thing can give us access to their experience and insights. There's no need to reinvent the wheel when the wheel could do a perfectly adequate job for us. And finally, the question, can you act as if you have what you already need? This is a particularly useful question when we're looking at behaviour traits of others or their character traits. Often people will say, I don't have the confidence. So they may have a goal or outcome in mind, but they're sitting on the couch waiting for confidence to arrive before they take action. Well, as you probably know, they'll be waiting a long time. Acting as if you have it up front, especially with emotional states, is not only the most efficient way to get an outcome in many instances, it could be the only way. Each of these questions around ecology continue the process of firmly rooting our goal in the real world, in a real place with real people. Now the ninth and final of the keys is about whether the goal is ecological. Ecology encompasses the consequences or impact of any change that might occur as a result of us achieving our success. When when setting goals, lots of people don't even think about the impact that successfully achieving goal will have on themselves and others. Let's say, for example, I want to run for public office. Answering a few questions on ecology can really help me clarify whether this is a goal I really want to go for. First, we look at the purpose of the goal. Why do I want this goal? You know, what is the ultimate purpose of it? And does that purpose match with other purposes that I've got in my life and also with who I am as a person? I might run for office to serve the public or it might be to bring about some specific changes that I'm very passionate about. From an ecology perspective, it's important that I give consideration to what achieving office will give me and what it will cost me if I have it. I need to know upfront if I'm prepared to accept what the goal will bring. For example, it might bring me opportunities to make changes. But in terms of costs, it will definitely mean lots of long meetings and increased public scrutiny with reduced privacy which might be costs I'm actually not willing to bear. Now, there's a few other questions that we can ask around ecology. Three questions that I believe really get to the heart of the ecology of our goal very quickly are, number one, is it good for me? So, for example, is it good for my health, my sense of purpose? Is it good for others? For example, my family. And is it good for the greater good, as in the broader community, And finally, when we're checking the ecology, we're going to go to the Cartesian questions. These are the questions that can really challenge us. So we ask ourselves, what will happen if I get it? What won't happen if I get it? What will happen if I don't get it? And what won't happen if I don't get it? Those questions can be a bit of a brain fry, 
but they are very good at provoking our thinking to go beyond what we've considered before. Well, I think we have to admit the keys to an achievable outcome are pretty cool for making sure we've really considered our goals, hey? We can see how they approach the goals we have from all kinds of angles, bringing different perspectives to our thinking and really magnifying that first principle from the five success principles, know your outcome. Applying the keys to an achievable outcome to examine our goal means we can be certain that our outcome or our goal is well aligned at both conscious and unconscious levels, which means we really can become unstoppable. Now, because this is the final session on the keys to an achievable outcome, I've added a template for you to download and use to bring these keys into your goal-setting practice. Make sure you grab a copy and join me in the next episode when we start another very cool NLP tool focused on goals. It's called the Well-Formedness Conditions. This technique continues the work we've done so far on how to build a truly successful life as it follows on from Keys to an Achievable Outcome to provide a final check on the structure and formation of our goals. Stay awesome and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Wow, thanks for showing up and listening in. We would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts, ideas or questions via email to joanne at destinypursuit.com.au. Now it's time to take today's recipe out into your own life. Notice the differences that show up as you apply it. We'd love to hear how you are progressing with your new approach.